I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast presented by Leaning. My name is Matthew Wellington and I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Miller. Hello. You got your shoe on this time? Just one. Just one. Always, always one. Got to keep the tradition going. It's exactly. Strong, strong tradition. Um, <laughs> so we're back. I mean, this is weird. It's like we're, we're regular or something. <laughs> going Second week steady. in a row. <laughs> Better not get carried away. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, good to be back. Yeah, second week in a row. It's been a bit busy um, on in terms of the social sphere in sort of the UK today. If you're a basketball fan, because there's a lot of um, people tweeting and talking about the obviously the funding, which we're going to get onto in a minute. I'm going to hand you over to the the designated expert for the evening, which is Mike Miller. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> to awesome. talk about funding funding of British basketball, um, we're going to recap the All Star weekend a little bit, not too much because it's you know boring and same old fluff each year. Much to do about nothing. Um, and then we're just going to talk about sort of the business end of the NBA season and what we've got predictions wise. Who's who do we think's going to slip? Who's going to who's peaked too early? Um, and then we're we're just going to jump around a couple of maybe other topics like uh, Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic posting the fastest triple double ever, which was just ridiculous. We're going to talk about Lowell Deng for a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, we've, we've we've kind of rounded it out and got a bit of a crazy show tonight. So um, yeah. Let's get this going. Um, so, funding, British basketball. What's been going on today? Uh, so, today there was an all-parliamentary debate in uh, the House well, the House of Commons um, about the fact that UK sport gives, base, well, nothing to fund elite basketball in the UK or to fund basketball in the UK. And rightly so, it needed to be brought up publicly. Um, there were some really good speeches, actually, the uh, the the constituent for uh, Tottenham, I can't remember his name, uh, but he gave a really impassioned speech, which was which was really good. Um, basically, the unanimous decision at the end of it, because there were no nays, there were only yays, God, I love that about British politics, um, <laughs> were in favour of... This is what I don't get, though. This is where I'm not convinced anything's actually going to happen again. They, they're all in favour of discussing the way in which the sport is funded, which does actually nothing. It's, it's, just, it's just too gray um it definitely needs it needs support it's it what's bizarre is as you well know it's the it's the second highest participated sport in in kids um it's just you know an incredibly enjoyable sport and people still are, are, are have these really backwards opinions of it and they're like well it doesn't deserve funding well why doesn't it no. oh and then people say that football gets no funding well that's rubbish it gets 25 million in funding and it's the richest sport already because it's one of the richest leagues in the world it's just um i could go on for ages but i'm gonna i had to prepare many (laughs) many notes on this so i'm not going to but basically it needs funding otherwise after this uh fiba world cup qualifying window which we're about to go into uh the money basically dries out if the money dries out we'll be withdrawn from fiba competitions throughout all age groups there's massive financial um fines associated with that and then it it basically will set uh lisa wainwright who's in charge of gb basketball um reckons it would set back the program at least 12 years because we get demoted down to division c for all the other age groups and then they have to work their way back up so it's just it it'd just be absolute 
you know, kick in the teeth if 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 we lose the national programs. It is, and it's pushing against the grain in terms of the way basketball as a sport has developed, certainly in the last ten years in this country. Like it is now especially in terms of like what we cover, the NBA, the coverage now is better than ever. Since 2007, it's become so easy to just, you know, tune into NBA League Pass every night, watch a game whenever you want. And funding the elite level in this country is such a big thing we need to talk about. And, and even if you're an NBA fan and you don't necessarily watch British basketball, I mean, like myself and several others who, who do stuff for our site, we have to care about this. It is something that, unfortunately, you can't just sweep away and, and you know ignore it. We, we need to worry about the funding of the sport in this country, and it's all very well funding youth teams until a certain level. But when they get to that elite point, it's almost like you you've got a ceiling, and then you just you're just going to hit it. You can't go any further. Mm-hmm. You need the elite funding to push teams further. And I got quite I don't know arsy at work earlier on because I was talking about this to to some to a couple of the people I work with and. I got the same old why well why why do you like basketball and oh my like Jesus why did you sort of follow that it's like and this is something that I I know this isn't limited to me because I've 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 obviously put my vocal tweet out and other people have responded saying yes it's there and we I don't want to we like we don't want to offend anyone but it does seem to be a certain age age group there is a certain generation of people who find it a bit odd that the young British people like basketball and unfortunately, you know, it's it's a difficult and touchy subject because it is a case of we are going to be all these debates. We're going to be appealing to a certain level of um, of audience, and it's just difficult when you you go through like the UK sports funding list for the the Tokyo um, Olympics, and it's you know, athletics has got twenty six million, boxing's got fourteen million, canoeing's got nineteen million, cycling's got twenty nine million. There's sports in here where even half of it or, you know, a third of it would make a huge contribution to changing the way the game of basketball is looked at in this country. And you just take other examples like Australia over the past 18 years has really begun to push its youth development and then its elite teams. And that to the point of which now they can compete in the regional tournaments down in down there and they compete globally in the international tournaments as well. And then they go and, you know, they've developed Ben Simmons, who was the number one pick in the NBA draft. And by any, you know, by no stretch of the imagination, he could become one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And there's over 100 international players in the NBA at the moment. That 65 or something are from Europe. One of them's from the UK, but that's OG Ananobi. Two. And you, two. Yeah, two. Deng's still, Deng. Deng's still there, but not playing. Yeah, I forgot, <laughs> forgot about Luol, but, um, which, is, which is weird because we're going to get onto him in a minute. But um, I mean, you spoke to OG this summer, and, and like the, the, the link to London is slim at best, I think. Yeah, I mean, OG only lived here for, I think it was a year, maybe, yeah. maybe not even that, maybe, maybe a year or two. Um, but he, he was open to the idea of playing for GB. But realistically, how are we ever going to develop talent like that in the same way that that Deng was developed I mean he went to New Jersey and played for Blair um academy before heading to Duke um how 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 often are we going to get prospects like that over here that are at that level I mean we had Luke Nelson who was um went undrafted this year but played summer league for for the Clippers yeah impressed Um, the Lakers by all accounts as well but yeah and if you watch him play uh in Europe I think he's in Spain at the minute um 
he can play. He can he can hang with those guys uh, in the European division. So without this funding, without this support, I, I mean, we're, we're still producing talent. We have guys like Dan Clark. Most of the in fact, most of the GB team play in Europe, and it's just they can if we can put people at that level already without the support. I mean, we have to do, we have had support previously, but never sustained. Um, and significant support if we can put guys to that level already imagine what we could do with actual if someone actually got behind this um i think one of the the favorite tweets i saw today was from i'm going to butcher this name but uh caver sohel coles it's someone who works for sky uh good point made by alex sobel mp who's the, the the guy who called this debate together in parliament today after football basketball is the most popular sport for teenagers Basketball gets zero funding from UK Sport. Modern pentathlon gets six million. Great news for kids with a horse, a sword, and a gun. It's, it's a complete joke. Like I, I don't understand uh, why we have this fascination with. I said to you earlier with medals, like as if, as if, um, you know, the gold medal for the hundred meter sprint is the Olympic medal everyone wants. Okay, great. If we put all the money into getting some other. And I'm going to offend someone who's really into some kind of uh, obscure sport, but let's go with um, I'm going to I'm going to try and be polite and not call it downhill sledding on a tea tray. Um, let's call it <laughs> what do they even call it? The skeleton. Say we won the say we won the gold in the skeleton. Would you say a skeleton gold medal is as valued as a hundred meter gold? I'm probably I'm probably offending some people there, but no. I just don't get the obsession with it at all because. Who you, is there an award for who gets the most golds at an Olympics? No, there's not. Can you remember who got the most golds at the Olympics that wasn't 2012? Let's go with Brazil, um, no, Rio. No, no. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be US or China because they always do. But I have no idea how many we got or where we came on the medal table. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all about people playing sport. The more people playing sport, the better. And the more playing people playing different sports. If you're multi sports, you're going to be better. Because you, you oh, the the amount of research that's gone into, I'm really ranting now, and I realise this. <laughs> that's gone into um, when when children specialise in sports too early, and the type of uh, injuries they get from that. It's just insane that we would carry on down this road of filtering people into different um, specific sports at a young age. I think it's a massive, massive issue that's much wider than we're going to address in in a ten minute conversation. Um, but yeah, it frustrates me in case that wasn't coming across. Well, no, and, and I, th- I think it's come across from everybody today. It's frustrated everybody. And unfortunately, because of the fact that the Winter Olympics are on at the moment, they have become one of the prime targets for the fact that not everybody's got the Alps next to them. So they don't tend to pick up skiing instead of, you know, going and picking up a basketball or a football. And that is what, th- that's where the problem is for me. It's like, it's just pure, simple logic, really. Like, you know, You've got these so-called elitist sports where you could go and do your downhill slalom or your tea trade thing, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and then you've got football, basketball, rugby, where it's just a case if you just go down the park and pick up a ball and play with your mates. And that's what you need. But when you when you aspire to, you know, like a lot of young people are, people younger than me. I mean, I'm 26. There's probably a lot of 16, 17-year-olds who are playing basketball at this moment, watching Stephen Curry every weekend, watching LeBron James and going, I would love to play in the NBA. And without the funding and without having an elite level in this country, 
and the support behind it, it won't be possible. And that would be a real shame because if we take Luol Deng as the pinnacle of what a British player can do, if he runs through the system and gets the support, I mean, Luol did a lot of this himself, so it's not necessarily a case of the funding was there for him, but he had the get up and mentality and it will just make the job a lot easier for some of the young kids at the moment who are coming up and playing the game. Luol played 11 consecutive seasons of 30 plus minutes a game in the NBA. He was a two-time All-Star he was he won the sportsmanship award the citizenship award he's tied fourth most in seasons played as a chicago bull with 10 he's fourth overall in total points for the chicago bulls that's nuts he's in so mm-hmm. many of their top 10 categories and we do not talk about him enough and unfortunately due to the situation he's in with the lakers he joined the lakers obviously in 2016 just as kobe retired he was supposed to be one of the guys who was going to come in and sort of tie bide them over until they could sort of I don't know, return to greatness or whatever is the phrase that the Lakers want to use at the moment. But that never happened. Mitch Kupchak left uh, and they, the whole organization just blew itself apart. And Deng was the casualty of that and he has been nothing but professional. And it's a case of, well, people have come out on Twitter this week and said, well, why doesn't he just leave? It's like, well, it isn't that simple. You have that much money on the table and you have a family to worry about at the age he is, 32 at the moment, got a lot ahead of him in his life. You can't just turn away. What was it, $74 million, I think his contract was? It's a large sum of money. And he absolutely, he, as, as Jalen Rose would say, keep cashing them checks. So yeah. it, it must be incredibly frustrating for him to not be playing an active role on the court. But what what benefit has he got of, of cutting, you know, cutting Taking minutes from the young Lakers, up? yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, it's a testament to him as an individual. You mentioned sort of the... The uh, the awards he's got for sort of citizenship and things like that, <clears throat> and and just, yeah, we've all got colds this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's just like the way he, he's still, despite the fact he's not playing, he's in the gym watching the game. He's on a treadmill watching the game, isn't he? And yeah. he's, he's moving. He plays the game. <laughs> he plays the game on a treadmill whilst the real game is being played. He's at every practice. He's talking to the youngsters. He's coaching them. He's not pouting about this. You and. When have you heard him complain about anything ever? I've heard him complain about one thing once, and it was when he was traded to the Cavs and walked into the Cavs <laughs> and went, this is the most disorganized franchise I've ever been a part of. I've never heard him complain about anything since, and you'd think that something like this is something he'd want to come out and be more public on. That's, uh, it's, a real, it's a real shame. I can't see him going, though, unless it's a lot closer to the end of his contract so there's a lot less money on the table. Yeah, and it's a huge shame because if anyone remembers watching him between 2014 and 2016 when he was in Miami, he had a great playoff year that year, the year he left. And it was just a case of he wanted to get in himself in a better financial situation. And, he, and so he took the, the money, which is what most people would do in a similar situation. But like, this is a man who has played for the Chicago Bulls, one of the most famous names in the sporting world. And he is top 10 in so many of their categories. And unfortunately, in this country, mainstream sporting media does not talk about it enough. And we like we we'll we obviously talk about it now. And this all impacts the funding. Like maybe maybe I know lawal has been quite vocal about the whole funding situation in general. But the problem is the, the ex players, the ex NBA players from this country, are getting frustrated because it never changes. Yeah, it doesn't. It it, it seems to be the same argument that I've been hearing since I've been involved. With basketball, you quoted your age earlier. 
I am the grand old age of 33 at the minute. <laughs> you're, you're, in the, you're in the demographic. It's fine. I, I'm, the demographic, I'm still in the demographic. I, tweet, I tweeted out earlier and then Ross immediately went, I'm out the grand demographic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, ever since I can remember being involved in basketball, which is from a fairly young age, there's always been issues with funding in the UK and it just it does never seem to change. But fair play to the noise that's been made today because hopefully someone's listening because certainly this is what made me chuckle was... Um, Alex Sobel again quoted Ice Cube in the Houses of Colour, <laughs> which was just an amazing experience to witness. Uh, so he quoted lyrics from It Was a Good Day, and sure enough, someone tweeted it out, and Ice Cube got a hold of it <laughs> and uh, has tweeted back quoting it saying today is a good day for the british parliament to support three-on-three basketball in the uk how amazing is that 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 some you know our sport which is so often just like considered a an add-on in the uk has has been in parliament it's made some noise and it's been recognized by one of the most iconic rappers in in history so and yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing that you, you just hit the nail on the head just then. Like the, the utter disrespect there is for the sport in this country. It is a mindset that needs to change. And unfortunately, until that mindset changes, uh, the, the problems are just going to be, you know, they will keep arising. But to have guys like David Lammy, who's the Labour MP for Tottenham, come out and make the impassioned speech that he made today. And that was Sharon Hodson, she came out and, and had another impassioned speech. They were... Like British basketball did itself proud today, and I can't remember who it was. I think me and you were talking to to somebody during the London weekend, where we were basically told that basketball fans are enthusiast fans. They are different to football fans in the case that they follow the culture, they follow the teams, they follow the players, but they don't just follow the teams they support. They follow everything, and I think today British fans prove that they have not only knowledge of you know their own leagues and their own environments that they play in. But national and international, the reach of it all, and it was really amusing. As actually, the Ringer, which is um, Bill Simmons' website, posted the thing about how Australia has now finally become one of these countries that has embraced pro basketball. And you look at the success they're having, and that is it. That's what we need to do. We just need to embrace it. And this, there's a generation in this country that needs to just get over the fact that it's an American sport and that it's foreign and that. They have timeouts and, the, it is, you know, it's not just – because it's a similar thing for the NFL. You go back and watch the NFL seven, eight years ago when the London Games first started, which I think was 2007, people mm-hmm. were like, oh, this is never going to kick off. It's kicked off massively to the point now where you can say you're an NFL fan and most people will not look down upon you. It's still looked down upon for being an NBA fan, and I, I hate that. Like, wherever I have been, whatever job I have had, if I've said I'm an NBA fan, it's always – why the hell do you like that? There's too many timeouts. It's like, sorry, you just, it's like, you might've had the conversation where they're an American football fan and you're telling me there's too many timeouts in basketball. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Um, it, it surprises me that we're pe- more people aren't like, see, to me, the, you mentioned it earlier, like the, the sort of culture around it all. That's that's the side that people have got a hold of, and they there was like a phase in the mid nineties that you probably don't remember, uh, where everyone <laughs> had uh, starter jackets and stuff like that. And I felt like then everyone was going to take it, you know, it was going to take off. But it turns out that people just like the logos. Yeah, um, it would be great to have the same kind of pride in the sport that the Australians have. But we need to understand it's not an overnight process. They, you, you mentioned the eighteen year 
journey they've had. That's so that's when they brought out the the regionalized institutions of excellence. Was that what it was? Um, yeah, they have based- they have academies that basically are focused yeah. on growing the develop like the development of players in that area because obviously Australia is such a massive country in comparison to, to here. Yeah, and and the academies usually in different regions specialize in different sports was was how I understood it at one point, but it might not be that way anymore. Um, so essentially, you had all the best Amer- uh, Australian players, youngsters, once they've been filtered into basketball, would, would sort of uh, just all get together in the same sort of academy and ha- have the same elite level training. Um, that's what the sort of thing we need to do. We need to start having that sort of grassroots system that filters in. I mean, we've got guys paying to attend their own National League camps at the minute, yeah, which is just ridiculous when you think about the country we are. We're not... We're not a poor country. There's got to be some money somewhere. If we can find 25 million for the richest sport in the world, if we can find 6 million for a posh sport, if we can find 12 million for canoeing, then come on now. There, there is money going. There is money there. Just distribute it more fairly. Absolutely. I, I, I think we should probably leave it here because we could just end up repeating ourselves for a, a long, long time. But. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole British funding thing. Um, we'll we'll see how far it goes. We'll obviously keep you updated and informed. But um, I don't know. It's certainly something that we've we've looked at in terms of like the BBL. Me and Mike have had discussions recently where we've thought about maybe having some f- sort of dedicated BBL team here, but probably won't be us because we don't know that much about it. But um, like in terms of covering the British basketball, it's something that's certainly certainly there and is you know something that we, we would consider. Um, but anyway, on to the NBA and on to the All-Star Weekend, which took place this weekend. Um, first of all, how much of this did you watch? Because I watched the three... I stayed up and watched the three-point contest. Um, I watched the skills challenge and I caught the dunk contest the next morning because there was no way in hell I was staying up past 2am or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, I watched none of it live because oh. I'm old. No, um... I, I was not it live, but uh, that Saturday morning I went straight on to the uh, Rising Stars Challenge. Sunday, I tried to find a shortened version of the of of the um, All Star Game. No, no, no. So, no. so that was Sunday night. So that so Monday oh, yeah. I watched dunk, the full All Star Game. Yep. So the dunk contest, everything like that. Because I can't. The dunk contest goes one or two ways for me. <laughs> Really bad. Actually, really it might be three. It might be three. It might be three ways. <laughs> um, so uh, fortunately, I I was able to witness the the two thousand dunk contest. Vince Carter's just savage um, destruction of the rim. Uh, that for me was an iconic moment. Watched it the whole way through. Loved it. Larry Hughes was in it. Steve Franchise. Stevie Franchise. Ah. Steve Francis was a legend as well. He was in it. Tracy McGrady was in it. I've got a feeling there was someone else as well. It was a great dunk contest. It kind of ruined a lot of others for me because I get frustrated really easily with the missed dunks. And so I, I woke up Saturday morning to a text saying, have you seen the dunk contest? And I said, no, how good was it? <laughs> and they, they said I wasn't that impressed. And so I went through and watched the highlights without all the missed dunks. Um and I thought, actually, this looked like it was a pretty good dunk contest. So maybe it's just like the perception of watching it at the time. If you get, if you have to go through all the, I don't know how many there were. I know there were a few missed dunks, but if you have to go through all the retakes, that must kill something for it. For, you know, it can't be that great if you're just sitting there watching misses and stuff. But I thought some of Larry Nance's dunks were really good, and he got slated. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think everyone was kind of wrapped up going into the weekend about Donovan Mitchell and the aura around him, considering how well the Jazz are playing at the moment. And it was just like, this was his night. It was never going to be anybody else's. You had Victor Oladipo coming out there, putting the Black Panther mask on, trying to like liven it up a bit. And it just was, it, there was nothing there. And Larry Nance put his dad's jersey on, which was cool. And if you watch the dunks side by side, they are eerily similar they're um, almost perfect they're brilliant i love that i thought it was a great little hat tip to his dad there but like, i was disappointed because I, I watched dennis smith jr quite a bit before he entered the nba and he can dunk and we saw one amazing dunk which i think would have been worthy enough of a 50 as it was but there wasn't much else because obviously he didn't get out of the first round but yeah, it, it it goes one way. It's either a massive disappointment or everybody's absolutely obsessed with it, like they were with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, the dunk contest is a massive hit or miss in these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have taken a lot to top the the Aaron Gordon Zach Levine dunk off. That was uh, that was amazing. Stuff the magic dragon on the spinning thing. Can't remember what it's called. Uh, the board, hoverboard. hoverboard, that thing. Yeah. Um, or Swagway, if you is it? Seg- British, yeah, Segway. We that's Swag- it. There we go. The Swagway. Yeah, um, I, I like the Larry Nance one where he uh, threw it off the glass to himself, twice it back. Yeah, and I was just like, "Ooh, yeah!" But that did not look impressive live. No, I imagine watched, it didn't. And you could see him turn around and was like, "Come on!" And he was quite clearly pointing, like, "Look at the replay." And then they watched the replay, and the TNT guys were like, "Oh my god! Like, look what he actually just did!" It was yeah, yeah. It was a weird the, one. The the replay was was phenomenal. Same as the there was another one he did where. He uh, he gestured after that as well, and it didn't look that impressive. And then on the replay, he clearly is looking down through the rim. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. It reminded me of <laughs> Dwight Howard and the cupcake. No, I don't mean that was Dwight. That was uh, that was Gerald... Um, was it Gerald Green? Guy. Gerald Hang Green, on, gonna, yeah. Google. Who came in from the left, I'm sure. Oh, it, it was, was Gerald Green. Yeah, it was Gerald Green. I'm sure Dwight, yeah. uh, Dwight did something similar. He put on a Superman cape and... Yeah, promptly pulled his. Yeah, I've just actually Googled cupcake dunk is a thing if you put it in Google. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me of that, and everyone was like, "What's going on? Nothing happened." And then they watched the replay, and it's like, "Oh my god!" It's like this is ridiculous. But yeah, I thought Larry Lance Jr. was um, was a bit unfairly done in the end. But yeah, Donovan Mitchell just comes out with his um, Toronto Raptors jersey and goes, "Look, I can do Vince Carter." And does Vince Carter? It, it wasn't. I wasn't as good as Vince's, but it, I still give him credit for that. <laughs> no, I, I, you... li- I like the one where he went off the second hoop that he'd sort of. Uh, yeah, that was behind. sick. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. But he is so explosive; it's it's unbelievable, and he might actually be the best in-game dunker in the NBA at the moment. Like he is phenomenally quick when you you watch him in games, and yeah, he absolutely pulverizes the rim because he can jump off both feet, which makes him absolutely ferocious. Skills challenge. Laurie Markkinen. Skills challenge. Guess what? You didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Oh my god! You missed the rise of Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> did I? I I heard that uh, Joel Embiid cheated. Yeah, he, he did. He didn't throw the ball through the um through the net and carried on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> which enough. is which no. is classic Joel Embiid. But um, yeah, Spencer oh. Dinwiddie coming out party. I'm here, Brooklyn Nets are here, I'm legit, like the most successful <laughs> Brooklyn Nets have had in like what seems like 20 years, but yeah. no, It's going it to be was... close to that, it must have been 2002 <laughs> since they lasted something. He, Sorry, he, Jamie. He, he can play, man, but Laurie Markkinen came out in his first two sets and nailed the three each time, and oh, he just looks so good, man. The Bulls have got something there. 
he's such a pure shooter. We saw it in Euroleague, but he's just taking he's taking the pee out there on the you know the All Star stage doing that. But yeah, that that was cool. The the, the skills challenge was a skills challenge. Um, three point contest. Did you see any of this? Yes, I saw I saw the final. What do you think? I thought it was a bit of a letdown compared to previous years. It's just a bit. Mm, People there's, there's only so much three point contest I can watch. It's uh, well, there's, I, there's I, this whole argument that people think that should be the final event of the evening. No, because it's the new thing. Like three point shooting is the new thing, and I must admit, when Devin Booker was going off at the end there, it was pretty cool. But yeah. unfortunately, Clay was not on it at all that night, which annoyed me because I put money on Clay to break a re- break break the record, and yeah, he let me so, down. So Booker clear. broke the record with twenty eight, right? Yeah. So. Is that record? So this is what gets me: is that they introduced the money ball rack, so everything on that rack's worth more, right? Yeah, yeah. So did he actually break the record for total points, or did he break the record for total made shots? <laughs> I don't know. Now you get technical. Yeah, if I'm getting, if if no, I want if if anyone out there knows, because I'm probably going to forget to look this up, but I'll try and remember. Let us know because I, I want to know how many he actually made. And whether that is the all-time because we can't celebrate as being the all-time high score if he's not actually scored the ball as many times as someone else. No, but yeah, that's just me getting my old man shoes on again because he's got a ball that's worth more points than it was previously. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a bit of a, a bit of a, a squib as well. Yeah, the, 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 that's, he, all All Star Saturday Night was not as much fun as it was. It should probably should have been. He makes it look easy though, Booker does, and there's a bit of a. Uh, a finger in the air, shall we say, to to everyone who who decided he wasn't worthy of an All Star spot this year. Yeah, uh, despite the numbers he's putting up, albeit on a tragic team. Yeah, Tra- tragic, tragic is the best way of describing it without going into too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sunday night, the All Star game. LeBron came. LeBron saw. LeBron conquered. I think that's all we need to talk about, really. Yeah. I, I, did you think that it was a bit more competitive for the, at least the final For the final quarter, minutes. yes, yeah. but not for the first three. Um, it was nice to see Anthony Davis out there wearing a Boogie Cousins jersey. Loved that. That, that was, that was that. an absolute class act. The thing I think they should have done was completely scrap those intros, the player intros. They were horrific. Don't know what Kevin Hart was doing. Don't know yeah. what they were doing getting the injured players out there because they looked even more awkward than Kevin Hart did. Um, especially Boogie Cousins, it looked like he was struggling to stand up before the camera went to him. But um, yeah, and he, when even when the camera was on him and he was just sort of looking at it like this is this is awkward. Yeah, and, and then we had the national anthem as well, so it was a bit of an awkward int- opening <laughs> in general. Um, <laughs> yeah, which had Draymond, which caught Draymond Green mid laugh, um, which has now become a meme, which you will see forever. Have you um, seen the? Uh, they've put one together where it's just everyone laughing. So there's like we've managed to get clips of every. I don't even know if it was whilst the anthem was going on, but whilst everyone stood there in warm-ups, there's LeBron laughing, Steph is laughing. Ah, uh, there's yeah, a few I people in I've the crowd that. chuckling and hanging their heads, and it's just uh, yeah, that was an interesting take. It was a terrible take, and Fergie came out and apologised, and it was like Jesus Christ, too late now. You, at what point do you think someone? She's like, said, I, did, I want to do a jazz rendition. That was terrible. She she did sound like she was. Trying to be Marilyn Monroe, and uh, not that I know much Marilyn Monroe at all, but it was just—I was just to like, whoa. Um, so this went through how many rehearsals, and everyone went, "Yeah, you know what? Yeah, this, this sounds is good. really, really good." Oh, so bad. <laughs> it was pretty cool seeing Kyrie and LeBron hooking up again on the court, and uh, Russ and Russ and Durant seemed to put aside their uh, supposed differences as well. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. I do you think? Do you think they've got a bit of Kobe Shack about them? Like it, when they both retire, it'll come out and we'll suddenly be like, oh, they maybe didn't hate each other as much as we thought they did. Probably, even though the Kobe and Shaq did hate each other. That I, th- I think they went at each other on, you know, when they were training and, and things like that. And, it's just, it's, I think it's just two, com- <laughs> yeah, two competitive guys who refuse to cede any ground to the other one, and it just, you know, they, they, you can't, they can't, they couldn't appreciate it at the time, and now they're both looking back, going, "Holy crap, we destroyed what could have been the." the well, they were young, man. Of all yeah. time. Well, it'd be the same when the the Thunder look back on the teams that they had, surely. Well, yeah, no, I agree. I, I I agree. I just don't think they quite. Well, they they didn't experience the same level of success as as Kobe and Shaq did. No, they got to a finals, but you know they ran up against LeBron, the juggernaut that is LeBron James. Yeah, it's really really strange thinking that there's going to be an entire, well, almost an entire decade where if you go back and talk about the basketball, it's going to be, yeah, that this this great team ran up against LeBron James in the finals and this other great team ran up against LeBron James in the finals. It's just so unbelievable what he's This, this is an in- interesting way we, of looking at it because we always talk, well, I say we always talk about it. We usually end up talking about we should have the, <laughs> the MJ, LeBron James debate. And, you know, scrap measuring things in rings and everything like that. M- measure, measure it in how many people couldn't get rings because of this guy. Yeah. As well, because you, you're mentioning that now, and it's it's it just echoes the like the the, the Patrick Ewing, uh, Stockton and Malone, that whole era of of superstar players that didn't get rings because they had to go through MJ and couldn't. It's that is a, that is how I think you should. That's how we should be defining the greatest of the great. Is just it's that prolonged dominance where yeah, LeBron hasn't won every finals he's been to. Whoop de doo, he's still been to. Was it seven straight? Seven straight. He's played more minutes than I think most people have played. He's also gone to the World Cup during that time. Like, it's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. And if they get there again this year, then I wouldn't take. You know, I wouldn't count him out for getting there the following year as well. Like, it's just, it's just what we've, it's become the norm, which is, which is scary. Yeah, and that did, did you see that reverse donkey threw down where he? Almost had his head on the rim on that as, as was well. Was that the one where Draymond Green ran out of the way? Uh, there was a dunk where you can quite like they zoomed in on Draymond and he was clearly like made a business decision. He's like, I'm out of this. <laughs> he I, legged, I know which he one completely you're legged about. it. I don't think it was that one. It was the one where he threw like the he put spin on a, a bounce pass and threw it parallel um, and received it back, I think, from Westbrook. And then he just went up and crushed it. Absolutely crushed it, and on the replay, he's he's literally having to lean back because otherwise he'd have he'd have headbutted the front of the rim. Yeah, and it's just like, how old is he? Thirty three, still doing that. It was ridiculous. There were some ridiculous plays in that game. Actually, you mentioned bounce passes. Like Kyrie was just making stuff up on the fly. Like he is actually a basketballing wizard. It's you know, I know you wrote yeah. that thing about Wizard of Oz at the start of the year, but like he's literally taken it and ran with it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'll, I will claim that. That's my influence. <laughs> All your influence. Um, but, but yeah, no, All-Star Weekend was pretty fun. Um, Team LeBron won that one. LeBron was the MVP. Oh. Uh, they, also, they, they they did say they were going to broadcast the, the, the teams next year. Which That's exactly cool. what I was about to say. Silver has said they're probably going to uh, broadcast the draft, which would be, be great. I, I think it was LaMarcus and Al Horford were um, outed as as the, the last two picks. And LeBron confirmed his first four as well. I think he went um, KD, 
KD, AD, Kyrie, Boogie. Yeah, because that, yeah, that brings me on to another thing, actually, because um, I don't know if you watched, is it Uninterrupted or whatever it is, that LeBron's, LeBron's network? I um, haven't watched that yet. That's on my With Carrie Champion, video. where he's going around in, in an Uber with Kevin Durant, talking about politics and, and everything. Yeah. It's obviously the, the whole stuff that spurred up the weekend. But um, yeah, like, uh, you watch that, and the whole video, LeBron and Durant are like, well, we're the best two players in the game, best two players in the game. It's like, was Steph Curry in the boot or something? or <laughs> <laughs> well, you know james james harden was like hanging on the window on the outside because like yeah the, the level of like i don't want to say arrogance but like they were clearly knew what they meant to say and um yeah like i'm just i was envisioning in my mind like imagine those two playing together for like a couple of seasons be absolutely berserk it would be I'm, and i'm not saying they're wrong either like that they are the best two but given the amount of foot in mouth moments that KD's had in the past 10 months or so and knowing he's on the team of the greatest shooter in history two-time MVP you'd you'd have thought there'd have been some sort of uh he would have muted what he was saying slightly to just to just not be so insulting almost like it's got to put pressure on the relationship and a bit of a strain in the locker room you'd think yeah Uh, unless he's just you know just completely a psychopath and has no concept <laughs> of, of of another human's emotions. I don't. I, I don't know. It's just. It's just really weird. Like I've got. I. I mean, is he wrong? To say he's the best player in the world. That they're the two best. I. I think they're probably. They're probably right in terms of their all round effect on a game, but still, there are. It just seems a bit harsh when you're not even like. <sighs> It's it's the Warriors aren't even his team. Let's face it. Well, no, and he's not even the captain of that team either. He chose not. He chose not. Yeah, exactly. And how can you be the? How can you be the? He might have been the most skilled in terms of he is uh, not even skilled. Just the the most ridiculous offensive weapon because of his combination of physical uh, attributes and skills. But surely greatness is more than just just being skillful it's it's the it's the ability to lead a team and he's not proven that yet no and it's not to like not like we're out here belittling durant like no absolutely not i mean he's he's the phenomenal player but he is he is the cheat code that you type in at the end of the game when you want to really rub it in like you know he just it's just the fact that they have four or five all-stars on that you know hall of fame players on that team it's just going to be yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look back in like ten, fifteen years time and go, Oh, do you remember that how good that Warriors team is? Like at the moment everyone just moans about it, but it is changing the way people build teams. You look at what Daryl Morris doing in Houston, you look at what a lot of the other organizations are trying to do, they're all trying to mimic the, the Warriors, but yeah, it's gonna be difficult. Anyway, um on to the, the second half of the season. Obviously we are now onto the, the business. At the moment the, the, the top eight in the Western Conference is probably well, I, I think we said this on the last show. Maybe the top five teams are kind of set. They might filter in, in where they, they change in position. But Denver, Portland, New Orleans, um, they could all potentially fall out of the top eight seed. You've got the Clippers and the Jazz as well trying to make their way in. Similar over in the Eastern Conference, you've kind of got the, the elite of the top three in Cleveland, Boston and Toronto. And then everybody else can can do you know just how they, they go for the next half of the season. But is there anyone you're looking at to, to step up? I mean instantly going off the back of the all-star break i think it's going to be really interesting to see how quinn snyder and the utah jazz adapt 
to the fact that they've had this this gap after this 11 game win streak I, I wonder whether they can continue it well it's interesting uh their particular situation because yeah, fair enough. They've had they've had the break. You don't want to interrupt the rhythm too much. Their their first game back. I'm trying to think who they've got. The first three games back, they definitely uh, they've got Portland first, who they beat. Um, they've beaten a couple of times already. Yeah, they've they've got Dallas, who are just you know bottom Dallas. of the pile, <laughs> terrible this season. Tanking, uh, as you mentioned to me before we started the show. Yeah, yeah, they are now looking to tank. So you can probably so Portland's going to be a challenge, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit briefly. Um. Then we've got you've got Dallas. That's a walkthrough. But then you've got the buzzsaw. That's Houston yeah. waiting for them. And that that's if they can continue it up to so on eleven now, that'll be fourteen. If they can continue it up to fourteen, I would be surprised. But I think they've they've put together a heck of a run, and and they they really could push for a playoff spot now. They're only what how many how many games back a game a game back on the eighth seed they're a game so back really on the eighth not- seed at the moment and obviously if you look at new orleans they are we don't know what they're going to be like for this next half of the season because they've lost demarcus cousins and it just comes on to the point of we wanted to talk about anthony davis but like they're 31 and 26 anthony davis theoretically the player he is he can carry them into the playoffs if he wants to but this organization's got a lot of questions over the the next coming six seven months. They always do. <laughs> they always the, the the Pelicans. I'm always questioning them. I'm always, I'm still questioning whether Gentry is the right coach for that team. Admittedly, he's done a lot better this year, um, and that's probably just being able to work some uh, sets in with with Cousins and get reps with him because he obviously was traded during the third quarter of last year's All-Star game. Yeah, Lou Williams um, has been good as well. Yeah. Um, it's just AD, he is he's a great player, but he's only had one season where he's been able to lead them to the playoffs on his own. And that was three years ago now, I want to say. And they met the, the, the Warriors in the first round. And other than that, he seems to, he can carry a load but it seems to wear him down so much. Like I, I'm not sure he can physically carry a team through this. I'd love for it to happen, but yeah. I just worry that he's going to pick up another niggling injury or, or something. I mean, he's had he's had knee injuries, shoulder injuries. Just maybe I I actually reckon this would be a great story if someone would cover it or look into it. Is how his growth spurt, which came during high school and sent him from being a point guard to a front court player. Um, whilst it gave him the the coordination and skill set and game to be this absolutely versatile beast, I wonder how much that affected his his body just having to carry the extra weight around. If that yeah. makes sense, and that's speculation, I know. But but I absolutely I, I love him. I think he's great. I'd love for them to make the playoffs. Uh, but they would be my pick to out of those three to fail. Closely followed by Denver, I'd say. Yeah, and I, I, I just said Lou Williams. You know, I meant Drew Holiday. I don't know. They looked. I, I, I knew know who you meant. Yeah, I, I don't know why I said Lou Williams. I just had Lou on my brain. But um, Drew, Drew Holiday was the man I meant. Obviously, he had a lot of family problems and and stuff. So it's and 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 on court problems as well. But it's nice that he's a. Back and he's a former well. All Star as well. He's a, he's a great he is. player. Yeah, but again, he has issues staying on the court. He does, and but it was a shame though because you had Boogie Cousins and and Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday all playing really great basketball. They looked like they were about to get on a tear. They had options coming up in the trade market. 
Um, and then Boogie went down and that kind of destroyed all that. And it's also brought up this question again of like the undiscussed greatness that is Anthony Davis. Like Joe on this podcast so many times has been like, if this kid could stay healthy, he would be, you know, he'd be as good as LeBron James, if not better. Like he has, even if you could just go on basketball reference now, like go and look at the appearances on leaderboards and awards and honors lists. He's in so many is it's unbelievable. And the fact that he's done all this and, and not actually been that healthy while doing all of that is so impressive. But do, the, do you know what's really scary about this is that AD is in his what one, two, three, four, sixth season. He's yeah. One year yeah. older than Joel Embiid. I know. How, how ridiculous is that? Like, if you put them head to head, who's better? It, as as much of a, a media story and sensation Embiid is on resume, because you, you know both of them get in, have been injured a lot. A, AD is probably the better of the two, and I just don't think he has the same exposure and and, and limelight that that's afforded to Embiid. Yeah, and it's really odd if you go back and, you know, we're going on about him being injured, but he played 75 games last year, 61 the year before, 68 the year before that, 67, 64. Like, he, he's he been mid-60s throughout most of his entire career. In fact, last year was the exception. And this year, he's obviously played 51 games, but his points total, his rebounds total, his shooting percentage, everything's got better. He is a growing player. He's clearly taking on everything that he's learning over there, but... It's just it's such a shame that they finally go out and get someone to play alongside him. They do something completely different to what everyone else is doing. They, you know, juxtapose to use your favorite word, like the entire league <laughs> go and grab two bigs and go right. No, this is what we're doing, and we're gonna see if it works. And it was working. There were games where they played the Warriors, where the Warriors had no idea what to do against them um, because Anthony Davis can shoot the three, the Marcus Cousins can shoot the three. They are both guards in bigs' bodies and. They are, you know, they are so unique, and it's just a shame that we've not really got to see Anthony Davis in full-on, you know, eighty-two games a year playoffs, going up and and competing in sort of Western Conference Finals each year. Which brings me on to the fact that, like, throughout the whole of the trade period, people were bringing up Boston. I mean, if you're the Boston Celtics, would you would you want to trade for Anthony Davis, considering this record, or are you more than happy to keep keep the guys that you've got because it's clearly working? Depends on who I'm trading. <coughs> really does, because um, the the packages that I, I heard floated around included Horford and uh, one of the two st- stud wings in in Jalen Brown and, and or Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum's I, name seemed to come up quite a lot. I think I, I'm not sure why you would want to part with him at this stage. He's He's so good as a rookie uh, in a role and he's on such a cheap contract. Like, I can understand the Horford inclusion. You would have to do that. Like, And that's no slight on Horford either. But age, salary, positionally, it's a no-brainer. But it's it's how you would package that. I think, I think what I would do is look to throw picks in with it as well rather than try and keep, try and keep those youngsters out there because... Horford anchors that defense. AD's pretty injury prone. Horford's had a couple of knocks this season, but you you want someone out there on the floor for as much as possible. So if you're getting rid of Horford, you you can't get rid of defensive stalwarts like Brown and Tatum's not that bad on D either. So no. 
I, yeah, again, different positions, but I, I, I just think the Boston window is. We talk about windows of opportunity closing quickly. Their, theirs is only just opening, in my opinion. They, they, they're still way ahead of the schedule. We've said it before. Um, I don't, I don't think it's their year this year, and I'm, I'm sort of grinning sideways at the minute because I know someone will have something to say about that. Um, <laughs> Mo, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, but. They they are primed to contend for a long time, so why why would you mess with that? Um, yeah, KD's only twenty four, but he's already on big 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 money. So if if you are gonna blow not blow things up even, but it's gonna take a huge amount to get in there. I, I'm sure Danny Ainge could work something out. It's clear that you know the, there are lots of there's lots of talk there, and you know no smoke without fire and things like that. I definitely think it's a conversation that's been had. I just I don't I I could put together a package, but I'd want to I want to get the I want to get the trade uh, trade machine up now and, and have yeah. a go at something. Well, we know I, we know it's been something that Alvin Gentry's talked about because he he asked what it would it take and he said, "Can you give us a New England Patriots?" As like yeah. a, a, an amusing response, but I mean Boston they've lost the last three. They're five and five in the last ten. They're forty and nineteen. They're second in the Eastern Conference. They've obviously dropped down from first, but without Gordon Hayward, they've were incredibly impressive but i mean have they peaked too early like is this team exceeding all well well that's a stupid question are they exceeding expectations but like has the cleveland game thrown a bit of perspective on on their year so far um i think it's been a good it came at a good time to allow them to regroup because uh steven steven's even said you know we're not as good as our record right now so there's obviously something going on there internally that they've picked up they've they have slumped recently i wonder how bigger an impact that psychologically that Cavs game would have had because you albeit you know it was just one game it was a beat down yeah and, and uh, we said last week it was like that was the crowding moment for the celtics we all i specifically remember saying we all thought Kyrie was going to come out and score 40 and they were going to have a party and you know we're the new kings and it, it, it was not to be no, uh, it just. I I think, like I said, I don't think this is Portland's year. They, <laughs> they, 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 they. Anything less than the conference finals is a letdown. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make the finals. If they made the finals, great. But let's face it, are they going to beat the Warriors over seven games? No, I, I don't think anyone is. Despite the fact the Warriors are not uh, firing on all cylinders right now either, which. Again, is a, another story, but um, I, th- I, I think I, I think Boston Golden State is the finals that everybody wants. But at the moment, it's a case of we don't really know who's going to come out in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, are two which is own. good in itself. Yeah, it's great as a fan. Finally, people are like, well, it's not definitely Cleveland. No, it's not going to be LeBron. Like you know, like I was saying last year, oh, no, LeBron's not going to get out the second round against the Raptors and go out the second round against the Raptors and made everyone look stupid, but. It is. It's nice to have a bit of. Well, I don't know if parity is the right word to use in the Eastern Conference, but a bit of uncertainty um, regarding some of the teams. Because, like, even I think if Miami got in there and they were a matchup for, like, say, Cleveland finished in the number one spot at the end of the at the end of the year, and Miami were the eighth, like that's a matchup where I certainly think Miami could beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think they they they're the kind of team you want to avoid, definitely. Yeah. Um. It's, you're right. It's it's so um, ambiguous this year, which is great because 
we've seen three straight finals of the same two teams. Admittedly, I'd love to see a fourth one, and that's and I, the amount of times I said I'd like to see Cleveland in the final, it's just it makes me really sound like a Cleveland fan, which I'm absolutely <laughs> not. It's just that LeBron is the best individual in this league, and anytime we see him in the finals, he is just a whole another level. It takes. It takes a team of four all stars to beat him down. Every, I mean, what he averaged a triple double last year. Yeah, and it's just in a finals game. Finals why, why wouldn't you want to see that? It's, it's, it's that's that's my opinion. It's Jordan taking on the one stars. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but in real life, so is Kyrie Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah, what that's he, what we're going to go rather? for. Um, Eastern Conference still. Um, the Orlando Magic. Where the hell do they go? Um, they trade away Alfred now. Payton. They're 18 and 39 at the moment. They are four fods on Tankathon to get a top five pick at the moment. They have a 10.4% chance of the number one pick overall. Um, draft wise, if they don't land a point guard, I think they're in trouble. But um, what is what is going on in Orlando? Because they've not been good for. I actually can't remember the last time Orlando were good. 20, 2012, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember the last time they. They made a finals. Um, oh yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. That was definitely two thousand nine. But then I can't remember really what happened after that. See, no. Well, oh, actually, someone does remember if you finish in second place. Apparently, um, but I, I think they were good twenty ten, eleven, and around then. But they've certainly not been good in the last four or five years. No, not at all. I, I, it's an interesting one because I think they've. I think they've got a good coach. I think that it's just a personnel thing, and they've 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 clung too long to, to Vucevic and they probably should have traded him out. His, his his game doesn't... He is good when he's good, but he's not consistently good enough and his game doesn't fit well to this whole small ball world. Admittedly, not everyone is going to be able to get into the small ball game because that's what makes these guys so desirable, the fact that there's not that many of them. Um, I just... Uh, it's a, it's a rebuild. It has to be. It has to be a rebuild. And if they want to keep Aaron Gordon, fine. But as as great a dunker as he is, is he the kind of guy who is going to yeah? What's the market lead a team? For him? What, what, what is the market for what, him as well? Exactly. But what's what's his ceiling on your team? Is is he? He's, he's not. He's never going to be the best player on a on a championship team or a, a, a decent playoff contender. Is he going to be the second best, third best? Because they seem to be. A lot of people seem to be really high on him, and he is—he's a good player. But I, I, to me, I, I think they just need to pull the plug, sit, you know, sell the assets, increase their odds of that number one pick, which they can't do now because the trade deadline's gone, obviously. Yeah. Um, but just tank, tank it, and trade out, and try and get some, try and get some young talent. Yeah, it's almost been like a rudderless ship the last three or four years. They obviously got caught. I think it was last year where they had that, where someone leaked on social media the board with all their trade trade targets on, which was um, yeah the the that was it. They signed a a, sure as a Spanish dude. They signed him, and his his agent took a photo of him signing the contract. It was a whiteboard (laughs) in the background with all their. Trade, yeah, that trade, trade and free agency targets, yeah, <laughs> um, sensible. And so the GM was was shortly exited after that. Yeah, um, but like they they don't seem to have any idea where they are. Well, as a franchise and an organization, it doesn't look like they've had any idea where they've been going since they made the Dwight Howard trade. But 
it, it, I even think, that was just uh, that at that point they sort of they they bowed to the stars' needs, didn't they? And, and yeah. probably didn't do what they should have done in that situation. But no, and I, I think that they they've shot themselves in the foot a little with some of the moves they made this past off season. But we'll have to see where Orlando goes. It's just a shame because I know, like in terms of being a British podcast, like uh, there are a lot of British Orlando Magic fans. They yeah, are, they are and, very and they, very vocal on Twitter. The, yeah, they are, and they are very long suffering as well, which probably makes them a little more vocal. Yeah. Um I I mean they you're right. They need they need a they don't just need a point guard though. I mean that's obviously the the ideal they go for, but they just need a a, a massive hit in the draft and if if they can get fourth is if if they get fourth, which would be the like you said a minute ago, then then okay, but you really want to be top 2 because even that you, you struggled to I mean, what was it? Was it the year that AD went one? The number two pick was just terrible. I'm trying to remember who that was. It, it was just a massive drop off in talent, and oh God, we've got that? like guys like Doncic this year. I'm just, I, yeah, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, it was it the was... second. Uh, yeah, but there's there is some good talent this year. But that's the thing with the draft. It's it's never, you know. It's, it's, it's never straightforward. Look at Mitchell, 13th pick this year, and he should have easily gone a lot higher than that. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was the second pick in the 2012 NBA draft. And look at, the, look at the, the, the giant gap between those two in terms of uh, skill level, production, everything. Yeah, it's curious going back and looking at that, actually, because Bradley Beal went third, Deal Waiters went fourth, Thomas Robinson went fifth. I don't think he's even in the league anymore. Um, Damian Lillard went sixth. Well, obviously won Rookie of the Year that year. Harrison Barnes went seventh. Like, there's some funny odd picks in there. Redrafting yeah. stuff's always fun, anyway. <laughs> um, who, who's who's finishing bottom of the Eastern Conference then? Is it Orlando or is it Atlanta? Or are Brooklyn going to slip back? Um, I, don't, I can't see Atlanta doing anything at all. No, they don't. There's, there's got to be a reason. As bad as they are, you'd think that Coach, uh, Coach Bud could pull a few more wins out of these guys. Um, so I probably... There must be a, well. I think there might be a reason why they're not winning any more games. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. But who knows? Orlando, keep trying. If you can, if you can do something this year, it's got to be lose more games. Um, the New York Knickerbockers, just to pick on teams that are well supported over here in the UK. Um, where do they go without Chris Dapps? Because he's obviously out ten months. So. It's really difficult for them as well. They certainly need to um, <laughs> shift Noah somehow. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not happening now. But um. it's so it's so much money on that that contract. Yeah. Um, what can you do? You've just lost your star player. You're sat in eleventh, and you've got Ed- Edis Cantor tweeting out pictures of him and comparing himself to Michael jo- to uh, Kobe Bryant, actually. Which was amusing. Yeah, that's a pretty apt. I don't know if you saw that. That opinion. was a really no, amusing I tweet. yeah, I saw it. It was brilliant. Picture was of Kobe, Turkish Mamba. Yeah, Kobe taking on like seven or seven, <laughs> more like four Chicago Bulls defenders, and like yeah, he was like Turkish Mamba, and so I can't remember who it was. What some other player commented and was like, "Shut up, you idiot." <laughs> it was uh, Rudy Gobert. They, they've got a bit of beef, haven't they? Oh, well, Rudy, actually, everyone oh. with cancer. I, I love the social team. From I like, like, I just love the Jazz for their social game this year. They've they've stepped it up to. An another level they're, they're, all, yeah. they're all on the social media sphere doing stuff on Instagram and Twitter and, and attacking people and it's great 
It's one of the best things about the NBA, actually. So unique. And like, you try and describe the whole social culture around the NBA to people who don't have a clue about it, and it just doesn't make any sense to them. <laughs> I'm sure it was last year that the NBA sent out a code of conduct to um, a-, a memo, they called it, uh, about uh, how to behave through your um. social media accounts <laughs> to, to the teams. Because there was a load of beef between the Blazers and... Um, oh, the Blazers social game's great, though. Yeah. Oh, God, I've forgotten his name. How have I forgotten his name? Chandler Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> not hard to this year. He's no, done nothing really again. Not. Uh, but there was some really good back and forth between them. But anyway, anyway, the Knicks, they should have... They should have tank the start of the year they don't have enough <laughs> in place to support Chris <laughs> how dare they try and win games what are they doing yeah, well, the, realistically it's it's KP and then what versus the world exactly um, what do you think of the, the Moudier pickup I don't know what to make of that uh, he's 21 still Like he's got his entire career ahead of him but I mean, what are they gonna? What do they do? Do they play him and Frank Nilakina together for most of the rest of the season, or because Jarrett Jack's been good when he's played? They uh, they signed Trey Burke, I think, as well. Who was, um, I think he was in China or he was a free agent or something. They've added him to the roster. Like, it's almost it's similar to what we were saying with the, the Magic, like directionless. Like, it's what you have an in- you get completely sideswiped by an injury you just don't expect to happen to your superstar player. And it throws off your entire season, and yeah, Frank Nilakina's like dropped off a little bit recently, and they just don't have any production that anywhere else on this team. It's, it's all Tim Hardaway Jr. ISOs, and you know, trying to give it to Enos Kanto because he thinks he's the greatest player ever. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation to be in, but that's that's exactly what we've become accustomed to with the next. Um bizarre situations <laughs> yeah they I, I don't understand I didn't understand any aspect of that trade other than if you're trying to like Doug McDermott was must have been playing too well I mean he is he was playing pretty well for them yeah yeah exactly and so they must have gone oh wait <laughs> Paul Zingas has gone down this guy's playing well enough for us to get some wins <laughs> let's shift him because he's never gonna move the needle massively um, he, but he's a fantastic role player, and and the Knicks. Like, I, don't, I didn't even understand the need for a move at that time because Moudier is not exactly a, a steal at this point. He's just he, his on-off stats aren't great. He's very erratic. He's I, I just didn't I just didn't see the rationale behind it. Yeah, erratic's the word. I mean, his debut for the Knicks which was the Sunday night just gone, he had a double-double, um, which was nice in, in 29 minutes off the bench. But he's only, this is where I wonder whether, because he's in the spotlight now and because he will get the extra minutes, I mean, he was averaging 17, 18 minutes a game, I think, for Denver throughout the first half of the season. The trade is going to get him a lot more minutes, which is obviously what we saw in that Sunday night game, whether he's going to take that and run with it. Because he's been, like, he's not been terrible this year. Um, last year, he certainly was not good at all, but... He's had his sparks. I mean, he had 14 and 10 against uh, the Indiana Pacers. He had 12 against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he's had, you know, games where he's been there. But in terms of is he the point guard for the Knicks going forward, I don't think we can we can answer that. I don't think you can answer that with Frank Nielakina either. I think they are both drastically different in the way they play. Um, Moody Eye has a really random background in terms of coming into the NBA, obviously from a war-torn region of the world and 
has come in, whereas Frankly Lakina's uh, and he's relatively new to basketball as well. Whereas Frankly Lakina's has sort of grown up with it in France and and come in from playing European basketball um, in Belgium. So I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know where the Knicks go with with these point guards. It's great that they've got two young guards. I mean, how old is Nilakina? Twenty. I don't know, 20, 19, something like that. Yeah, it's got to be about that. Yeah, but, um, you know, Moody Eyes 21, I think he was 18, 19 when he came in the league as well. So it is a a learning period, but not everyone's going to come in and just be a flat-out stud. Like, Nilekin is great bringing, you know, good good defense um, off the bench, but in terms of scoring, like, he doesn't tend to light it up. He had that spell towards the start of the year where the Knicks seemed to be winning a lot of games and he was hitting a lot of clutch threes, but... You know that that's, that just doesn't last in New York at the moment. No, agreed. Um, I I just feel like there are many more moves to be made with this team, and it's, a, it's going to be a while before they can surround Porzingis with the kind of players he deserves to be surrounded by. If that makes sense. Well, well are the Knicks a free agent destination? I think they're more so this year than last year. The the overhaul of the front office. Um, goodbye Phil <laughs> exactly and and for any prospective free agent yeah it's a massive blow for, for KP to be out but there's an opportunity there for them to sort of wrestle the team away from his grasp whilst he's, whilst he's not on the floor yeah you know, and this, this be their team and then be paired up with him when he comes back but I don't know how many people will think like that I just and there are still so many more markets now that people would rather play in than New I, York. I, I, yeah, I think there's a long way to go before that reputation's rebuilt. Yeah, reputation's a, a strange one uh, in the NBA. Um, speaking of reputations, um, we mentioned that Dallas were going to tank. Um, what's going on there? Because like Dirk looked like he was ready to retire at the end of last year and then he played okay towards the beginning of this season and he's sort of in a situation where it's like we love watching him because obviously we're European and we've grown up watching him and he's one of the stalwarts of the game but it's sad to see him on a team, especially a Rick Carlisle coach team that just doesn't seem to want to bother to compete each night. Like, And Dennis Smith Jr. is phenomenal. Like He's great fun to watch but they are... You know, they, they, there's no other way of saying it. Really, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA to watch. Yeah, no, they are. I, I wonder if this is. You know, we, we we've said a few times this year. I'd say this year. You talk about the, the no loyalty in sports. Um, we saw it with Blake Griffin a few weeks ago, where it's like you're going to retire a Clipper. Oh, we've traded you to to Detroit. Um, yeah. Is this like the opposite of that, where they've been so loyal to a player, and rightly so for the money he's left on the table over the years, um, but where they've been so loyal that they've just completely uh, missed being able to rebuild around him as, as his role's changed. It's it's it, They have sort of reduced him slowly, but it almost seems... It just seems that his shadow's been so big and they've just bought into it so much that it's already not a free agent destination and they're, they're not going to get anyone. They're, they're, they're Dallas. The only way they're going to get people <laughs> is, by, is by trading people um, and or, or blowing it up and, and tanking, which they're now Cuban saying is going to do. Like, yeah, they got Dennis Smith Jr. last year. 
He's shown glimpses of brilliance, great, but it's still Dirk's team. I just kind of feel like Dirk stayed around a year or two too long, and he was hugely efficient two years ago as well. He was still in uh, just about in the 50-40-90 club, um, but he's just he's effectively immobile. It's, it's, it's a sad thing to see because he is a shadow of his former self. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to watch, but like part of me thinks like and it'd be interested to get your thought on this, but like it, it is a lot of are a lot of Dallas's problems just based on the way that they have been run because like you said they have basically tried to hit the home run on free agents nearly every summer since 2012. You know, they went to the finals in 2011, beat the Miami Heat, upset LeBron James, made him get all moody and grumpy and Dwayne Wade as well. And then they traded Tyson Chandler and they moved some other bits and bobs and everyone was kind of like, well, what was going on there? And then since then, certainly every June, they've tried to open up as much space as possible to go out and sign whoever was the big marquee free agent at that point. And they've just missed every time, which is odd because Dallas is a big city, big market, or medium-sized market, sorry, but... It's good tax laws as well, I believe. Yeah. Well, anywhere down in, in that region of the States um, is, is nice for taxes. But, like, is it just... What's it, is it an organisation thing or is it just a case of they've had a bit of bad luck in terms of the way they, they've... You know, the teams they've come up against the last few years? What what I don't understand is why they didn't try and reboot that uh, 2011 team for another season. They made a decision there and then that, nope, this was our only chance. This was our one shot. Blow it up now. Don't want to pay these guys any more money. Get rid of them. Let's go. And then they proceeded to replace them with guys on huge salaries for the time, like Wes Matthews, who <laughs> yeah. was recovering from uh, an Achilles rupture, which is horrific to recover from. And he's not the player he was. And even if he was the player he was, you would argue that he would have been overpaid on the salaries on. Then Harrison Barnes, who, <laughs> as as regular listeners will know, I'm a massive fan of from his Tar Heel days. But is he really? You know, did he get a max in the end? I think, I think he got the the eighty four. He did, yeah. And it's like, really? Some, someone said the other day. I, I read it somewhere. Um, it was a great quote that. Um, Great players are always underpaid. Good players are always overpaid. That's that's the rules of, of living in a, a salary cap enforced environment, essentially. Um, and Harrison Barnes is a testament to that. He he's a good player, but he was easily the fourth best player on that Warriors team, and yet he's a max. It's just, yeah. I I think they I think they miss the boat. They swing too hard, and then they go, "Oh crap, we've got money to burn." <laughs> quick throw at him and then they, that, that's just not good they they need to get themselves out of these contracts no and it's a real shame because Rick Carlisle and I've been very vocal before about him but I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA and what he's done with the teams that he's been given since he's been there has been quite frankly phenomenal he's one of those Eric Spolster type characters who you know just because they're like a national they're not a nationally televised team all the time they don't get a lot of the, the spotlight but um yeah, um, moving on, Denver Nuggets. Um, as we mentioned at the start of the show, actually, we were going to talk about Nikola Jokic's crazy triple-double, um, which, if you didn't see, was was bonkers. You should probably go watch it. Um, 30 points, 17 assists, 50 rebounds in a victory over the Milwaukee Bucks in in a game which Giannis Antetokounmpo also had a triple-double in that game. He had 36, 13, and 11. Um but Nikola Jokic posted it in the fastest time ever. He had 1 minute 54 seconds left in the second quarter when he had already achieved the feat of triple-double. 
which is completely bonkers. <laughs> it's insane. It really is insane. The guy is... We know how good a pass he is, uh, passer he is. Although some of his were a bit sketchy. There was one where he threw it around the back where, <laughs> across the baseline. And I was like, that is a terrible pass. Uh, but it counted as an assist, so oh, they, are they well the, done. Were they the, um, the, what, the same ones that Lonzo was getting at the start of the season in Los Angeles? <laughs> 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 the NBA was like, oh, God, we've got to make him look good at something. Let's just pad, pad his assists a little bit. No, no, I'm not saying it was padded. I just thought as he made the pass, I was like, that is, that's not a good pass. Um, it, it just didn't look controlled. But anyway, no, no fair play to the guy because... Uh, he did it like he said there was 124 left in the second but he did it in like 30 154 154 left yeah yeah like total minutes on the court was was a, at least three minutes less than the previous record and then for only the third time in, in NBA history you've got two guys getting a double double in the same game uh, sorry triple double in the same game and that's not happened for over 50 years so a pretty a pretty monumental event to happen between a game that probably wasn't watched by that many people. No, and he's that Denver involved. He's the only front court player in the top five as well. The other, the other, well, the other three players are Russell Westbrook's been in there twice. LeBron and Ben Simmons is in there as well. <laughs> ben yeah. Simmons is in there already. It's crazy, it's crazy like, it? already. Um, it just shows you the potential of him. Like we were saying earlier about how Australian basketball has, has built their their elite, their youth and their elite players, but. Um, yeah, no, the Nuggets are an odd one for me because they're sixth in the Western Conference at the moment, but I still don't feel confident enough to say they're a playoff team. No, I agree. Even um, though they've beaten the Warriors and they've beaten some good teams this year. Yeah, and I, I wonder how... See, the, the thing I get with uh, with Jokic is just how how ready is he for this? Uh, he, he's been thrust into the, the limelight as being a franchise player. Um his his whole demeanor is very. Um, he's quite subdued. He's a bit. Yeah. He's a bit strange. That's, that's a good word for it. Like when they spoke to him afterwards about his, you know, record breaking, record setting triple double. He was like, "It's just yeah, my I job." Don't have any more motivation <laughs> than I normally do? And I was just like, "What? What a phrase to come out with!" <laughs> like. It's not like oh, I was just as motivated as normal, and he spun it in. A, maybe it's a language barrier. Who knows? But maybe. It's, I was just like, oh, I want, I want a bit more fight in my franchise player. Like, he's got incredible talents. I, but you, you look at him and you and you look at the other guys in the league and you think, I still remember the the thing that sticks out for me this season and may stick out more than the triple double, which I it, it'd be a shame if it does. Was that he got outran down the floor by Zaza Pachulia? <laughs> Zaza caught a rebound. Uh, in the paint, a defensive rebound, turn round. It was it was close to the free throw line. It was a long rebound. Turn round, went straight past uh, Jokic, and all you could see was Jokic sort of trundling off after him. And I was just like, Zaza's been in the league since was he? I think he was the same draft class as LeBron. So what's that? Two thousand three. Yeah, and you just got outrun <laughs> by him. I, I just couldn't believe it. And and as talented as he was, it uh, uh, is sorry. I I just I just feel he's not. He's not there. I think he can still get there, and he's a great talent to have. But come on, you got. You, well, I'm not asking for triple doubles every night. I'm just asking for more fight from him. Yeah, he seems like the guy who doesn't really care about the attention, which is great because he's in Denver, so he's not going to get it. But um, <laughs> it's it's 
they're an organization that is floating on the cusp of, well, we've got some players that we might want to trade. Kenneth Reed, you know, has been floating around for years and they've got an absolute host of good guards. So Gary Harris, Will Barton. There's certainly potential. Jamal Murray's there, obviously, as well. Like, they can make moves. Um, they obviously held off and didn't do anything this year, which is, which I think is smart, but like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I it would just be, I, I can't confidently just sit here and say, right, they will finish in the playoffs. Like, I could, I could quite easily see them slipping out. I could see the Clippers sneaking back in because what Doc Rivers is doing with that roster at the moment after the trades they made is, is fantastic. Utah are playing really well. Um, I certainly think it could, it could move. They might be the team that I would have the least confidence in staying in there actually but then again I've just said that and I've gone and looked and the Pelicans are there so I don't I don't know it's between those two falling out on the eighth seed for for me the Nuggets are and this is a really bad analogy uh, are just like the Rocky Mountains in which they call home <laughs> the, the peaks are high absolutely the high lows are low. but, but oh my god if you're going downhill those skis are quick and it's a long way down because they 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 just they sometimes they get it together and you think holy crap this is an amazing team look at the way they play and then within a matter of days you're like oh my god look at the way they play it's just it's it's insane i don't know what what it is i don't know whether it's personnel i don't know whether it's coaching there's just an inconsistency in that roster and i i just they they need to they need to address it. I can't think what it is. I mean, maybe maybe the the removal of Moutier is going to benefit them in that way. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they I can't remember who they brought in. Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? He he's not going to get a lot of minutes, uh, if any. They'll probably cut him at the end of the season. I couldn't I couldn't even didn't even realize he was still in the league. Oh my god, what is his name? That's really going to wind me up now. Come on, you must know who I'm talking about. Who they received in the three-way trade. Devin Harris? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, you, you left me hanging for so long. I was just, no, I was just making sure I got the right. <laughs> See, I, I wonder if, if Devin, like the, the arrival of Harris, who's been in the league for far, far, far too long now, is is, is literally there to do the whole Jameer Nelson, Mike Miller role from seasons gone by where they just have that that veteran presence who can who can steady the ship internally. Because maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe... Going back to the, the the Rockies analogy, they're getting too high and too low, and they need someone to just keep them at a nice level. They've got a really nice mixture of veteran talent and young role players, actually, and they can shoot the three. And obviously, with uh, with Jokic in there, they can they can rebound. And like the only thing he just needs to step on, I think, is his, his defense. He just looks a bit like he can't be bothered most of the time. Um, but Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, like Gary Harris, can play, man. He, oh yeah, he's he's a baller. Um, he's a big baller, in fact. <laughs> but um, Kenneth Reed's the big one for me. Like, what do they do with him? Like, what's the market for him nowadays? I mean, he's twenty eight. I'm not entirely sure he's explosive as he used to be, but um, a couple of years ago, people were trying to grab him left, right, and center, and it just and they never they never sort of pushed the button on moving him. But it's a difficult one. Um, I think this is part of the issue, though, that the fact that Fareed and Chandler are constantly being um, shown around as, as trade uh, potential trade targets for everyone. They, they clearly are not wanted there. That must be pretty pretty hard to handle in the locker room. Yeah, I, Maybe yeah. that's playing a role in it. And, and you're right, Fareed, everyone wanted him four or five years ago, but he hasn't developed his offensive game to the point where it's, it's uh, neutralised his... 
his uh, huge deficiencies. lack of height. Yeah. yeah, his lack of height for his position. It's and that's what it is. The, he's he was at the tail end of of an era and hasn't adapted to the new era. Yeah, it was, well, he's one of many players in the league who were just caught in that in between. Greg Monroe, I think, is another one. <laughs> he, yeah. Also, Farid's incredibly obsessed with becoming a model. So I'm not sure <laughs> into what he's doing on the floor. Yeah, Wilson Chandler's an interesting. I always thought he was the one that uh, you know, a team that is on the cusp of being or contending would like. I we should should make moves for him because like. Yeah, he's a really, really solid player. Like he, he can play basketball. I think he's only thirty as well. So he's still got, still got some mileage on him. But yeah, he's um, yeah, there's they're, they're an interesting one, the Devon Nuggets. It'll be interesting to see where they end up at the end of the end of the year. Um, okay, I think we're done. I think we are too. It's been a bit of an epic Probably. this one. We apologise, people. It's a bit of an bit of an odyssey because we thought it was going to be quite a short one. But yeah, uh, that's what happens when you yeah. start talk, talk, start talking uh, start talking about the um. The funding of British basketball. <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> and, and, and we we just go off, or Mike just goes off, and I just join in. That's the way we like it. <laughs> um, the website, as always, is at double is uh, it's at no. The website, as always, is doubleclutch.uk. Please go and check it out. There's been some articles and bits and bobs got there in the last few weeks. I wrote something on Donovan Mitchell's rise to prominence, and which culminated with his dunk contest win on on Saturday night, and then. Um, we, we had an all-star preview, which is probably pointless reading now, but go and check it out anyway. It's pretty cool. Um, Timmy's got some stuff coming in the week, and hopefully we'll have a few more bits and bobs coming up between now and then. Um, we are both going to do something that we don't normally do. Um, we're going to pick a game for the weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Forgot about that. Um, <laughs> it's been such a long pod. Yeah. Um, so I'm picking a 2 a.m. game on Saturday. Um, it's the Portland Trailblazers and the Utah Jazz. I think this is going to be a good matchup. so that's certainly one to, if you've got league the pass. The hipster game. The hipster game, as Mike referred to it, because he, uh, he was thinking I was going to pick some mainstream thing, like, you know, which is exactly Spurs Cavs or something. Oh, which is exactly what <laughs> but, So I've gone nice and boring. You've gone hipster. I'm taking the hipster. Um, I, I'm all over, like... Anyone who's read the, the double clutch uh, season guys the last two three years will know that when like the, I think this week this year was the exception actually, but the previous two years I've I've done the preview for the Jazz and I've like loved watching this team grow, and I thought they'd be in, like they'd be bottom dwellers after um, Gordon Hayward left, but Donovan Mitchell's come along at the right time and boy he's rapidly becoming one of my favourite players. Yeah, he's really very good. Uh, and the Blazers are pretty hot right now as well. I say that, you know, they've come off the win against the Warriors. Dame dropped 50, I uh, think. Yeah, I no, put a bet four, on them. That wasn't the result I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I've gone nice and simple uh, on the Sunday, 8.30 p.m. It's on BT Sport as well as League Pass. Mm. Spurs at the Cavs. Let's see if these Cavs are for real because oh, there's one team you need to beat. To, to prove some sort of legitimacy, it's it's a Spurs team that are struggling to find an identity without Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> um, but still, the Spurs are the third seed in the West, so you can't take anything away from them. As 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 unSpurs like as this season has been for them, they are still the third seed, which is incredible. Yeah, it's it's just unbelievable. Greatest coach ever. Yeah, and we're all sitting here dreaming that LeBron's going to go and partner himself with Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich and be the perfect marriage of basketball um facebook's double clutch uh uk twitter's at double clutch uk instagram's the same linkedin's the same everything else is the same please go and um if you are watching games on on live or if you're watching the, the games that we recommend please do tweet uh tweet us and use hashtag mbn uk um if you want to get questions in for the next podcast you can email us at admin at double clutch.uk um, we'll get there then and as we said last week 
if you want to help us out with the site and you want to write or you even want to come and do podcasts or whatever, you've got an idea for us, then please do let us know. Same email address. Um, we, we welcome everything we get. Um, and w- one more thing as well. One We're more doing thing. something slightly different, aren't we? So Friday, so the FIBA World Cup window is open this weekend Ooh, or it yeah. opens up this weekend for the next qualifiers. And Friday and Sunday, we'll have the GB games live streaming through our Facebook. Cool. Ooh. So if you're into British basketball funding or want to see them before the, the money dries up and they get paid from international <laughs> competition, um, check them out. It'll be on uh, on our Facebook page. God, that's not a downer to end the show on, blimey. What? You get free basketball? That's, a, that's, a, that's an upper. <laughs> no, you oh, it might be the last time you ever see them. And, no, um, it was, that was a joke. Good. You know, better been. God. Yeah, there's so many times you can reference <laughs> white man can't jump anyway. <laughs> yeah, on that note. On that note, we will catch you next week, guys. Thank you for listening. Good night.